This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Got Thomas Booker on today, and he's one of my best buds, even though he's quite a bit younger than I am. I had a lady ask me this. Well, maybe I shouldn't ask him. But she was wanting to know how old you were. Uh, I've got, or are. Well, I've got two different ages. Okay. My younger age, I'm 38, but in reality, about 115, I think. So you're 38. 38. Wow. You look even younger than that. Well, I guess work keeps me young. Well, working at the funeral home keeps you young. Exactly, from out of hide. You do do that, <laughs> don't you? I do. Bless your heart, I don't know how in the world. Oh, oh, we were talking before we went on the air about a number of things. You, you, you're a great conversationalist, and I enjoy being with you. You're, you're kind of a like. You're almost like Bubba's son. I mean, you really are the the way you respond to everything. But you were telling me where Judy Garland's grandparents are buried uh, over at the one that I'm going to be at Evergreen. At. Evergreen, yes. And her great grandparents. Wow. So two generations. Now, where are they buried over there? They're Just buried let in the, people know. Sure, they're buried in the old section of Evergreen along Highland back by the police station. Okay. That's the best way to describe it. What 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 are the the monuments? What do they look like? Uh they're the old thin, probably two and a half, three feet tall. Uh probably four inches thick. I mean they're very, you know, old school looking. Yeah, but when people were buried back then at their gravesite it got your attention quite a bit. Oh, it did. That, that was a big thing back in those old days. But it was no, nothing lavish, and maybe the reason is because they all passed away before she uh, rose to fame. Yeah. Well, that was pretty early. She was she was preteen when she was out performing all over the place with her sisters. They uh, left Murfreesboro and went to Minnesota, uh, yeah. maybe in the teens or 20s. Yeah. And then I think her dad kind of rose to fame and then, you know, took his girls. And I'm not really 100% sure on her history, but just know that she never came back here and neither did her kids. I, you know, I always wondered why she didn't have that curiosity anyway to come back and see where her parents and grandparents lived. That, that, most of us <laughs> want to do that. Well, Dan Whittle told me probably seven or eight years ago that uh, – Liza Minnelli was in Nashville for something, and someone offered her to come down to Murfreesboro, and she could kind of see where her grandfather was from, and she said she didn't care about a bunch of rednecks, and left it at that. 
Well, the heck with Liza Minnelli is all I can say. <laughs> I don't pay attention to Hollywood in general, so. No. Uh, they beat but you their know, own But, you know, you were asking me who my favorite actor was, and it, the answer was obvious come from, coming from me. Sure. Of course, that's John Wayne. And, and uh, he was a staunch uh, um, Republican, mm-hmm. uh, con- very conservative in, in all of his ideas, and he called heck from uh, the Hollywood people, but yet he was the most popular of all of them. Which was. Which kind of, um, it seemed like Hollywood's always trying to change the structure of this country in not a good way. And uh, he was almost like their mortal enemy. I call it Hollyweird. Yeah, it is Hollyweird. And, and why we uh, look at the actors and actresses as the parts that they play right. rather than their own personal ethics and all that other stuff, which they were very poor when it came to those particular areas. Sure. If their lives were really that important, they would uh, have packets of pictures with gum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who would want to buy the, the, the bubble gum with them in there? Exactly. That's why baseball wins. You got your Cub outfit on today. Yes, sir. What's the number? Number two for Gabby Hartnett. How many people would know Gabby Hartnett right now? If you if you just called out that name, how, well, most of them in these days probably couldn't even tell you that there was the Chicago Cubs. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's gotten that crazy. But, you, you know, Thomas, I still have a love for pro baseball as I did when I was a kid. Uh, as things have changed in, in pro football, all the other pro sports. Sure. Uh, it seems like I, I can't root for people that have come up and uh, they're pretty much railing against our country and all the, all the other things that are going on, especially pro football, pro basketball especially. Sure. And... How in the world you got people making millions of dollars? They're they're living at the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. and 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 they're um, uh, pretty much had. They want our country to change. They don't want to uh, honor the, the veterans that have fought for this country to make them have an opportunity to to be that successful. It really doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't. What is the IQ of these people? It's crazy. They live in a bubble. Yeah, they do. But baseball, I, I know you watched uh, <laughs> the the movie that came out just recently, and then the the Yankees playing the White Sox in Iowa. Sure. And and Field of Dreams, and uh, that pretty much gave me the thought that. Oh my gosh, they think that's the way I do because baseball is the number one sport in this country and probably always will be if they'll just leave it alone. I agree. And I think, I mean, it is changing, but the game still played the way it was, you know, for the majority the way it was, you know, 70 years ago. Yeah. But uh, the changes that are happening with it, I'm not really a fan of, so. That's why I tend to just kind of focus more on the history where you can't change it and, yeah. you know, honor people like Gabby Hartnett. And but the, the measurements in the infield are still the same as when it began. True. 
of course, the outfield, I mean, they're all different. But, you know, I, I like the structure where each one of the ballparks had its own curiosities and its own... Character? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, of course, the... Uh, Ebbets Field mm -hmm. was a little like a little band box. <laughs> That's right. But uh, it, it it still, I mean, it was special. There's a lady here uh, over at Adams' place that uh, she would go to see the the Dodgers play when she was a little girl, and the memories that you get. I the first time I ever went to uh, see the the Nashville Vols play. Oh my gosh! Going over there and uh, with my dad and him showing me all around and and watching the game at night, I, I actually saw the Yankees play when Mantle was playing and uh, um, when he hit that line drive to center field, it's just like it was shot out of a cannon. I've n I had never seen anything like it in my life. Did you think then, though, when you saw it, that you would remember it as well as you do today? You know, the things that had a major impact on you, mm -hmm. you never forget them. You yeah. really don't. Uh, you don't I, realize it when it's happening as a child, but, I mean, I but had the, the same. enjoyment. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. And it, it, I, will, um, I will always remember those special days. And, and, and that's one of the things that got me about Field of Dreams was the relationship with the son and the father. Of course, the father... Uh, he di he didn't really um, have much of a relationship with his father until uh, he built that field, and and then he remembered that they would pitch together, and I I still remember when my dad would would uh, pitch to me, and same and, here, and it was probably I think I was uh, uh, right at five years old, and um, I enjoyed I couldn't wait for daddy to get home. So we could go out and pitch together. I love pitching with my dad in the backyard growing up as well. Yeah, it was always fun. I wish, I wish the the young boys and their fathers had more. Uh, it's it's such a busy world, and we miss those kinds of relationships now. It we does really help do. build relationships for yeah. sure. The game does, and sportsmanship. Now, uh, Gabby Hartnett was a good catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the best in the National League before Johnny Bench. Well, see, now, <laughs> I keep thinking that you forgot Roy Campanella. Now, Roy Campanella, he he um, had a bad car wreck he did. when uh, he, he was still in his prime. 1958 in January, yeah. I think. Yeah, and uh, bless his heart, uh, he never really recovered after that. And the the fact that he was barred from playing baseball, you know, really hurt his overall stats. But yeah. for the 1950s, I mean, he was by far the best National League catcher, in my opinion. Yeah. But 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 before him, Gabby Hartnett, I mean, set the scene for catchers. He was the first catcher to hit 20 home runs in the season. Mm -hmm. And when he retired in 1941, he spent 18 years with the Cubs, and last year he spent with the New York Giants. But he uh, – Led the league, I'm sorry, led baseball stats as a catcher mm -hmm. with home runs, RBI, hits, doubles, and had a very good arm. So, I mean, defensively, he was just as good as he was offensively. But he was also a part of some important, important memories in baseball, not just the called shot we were talking about earlier in the yeah. 1932 World Series, but 
He and it on. was a call, whether he said it was or not. I mean, all you have to do I is look at these old look at these old films, <laughs> and, and he is Babe Ruth is pointing out to center field. I wish I had the baseball that was hit. I don't even know what happened to the baseball. Um, back then he didn't, didn't get he didn't get it back though. I know that. No, bless his heart. But he was also Gabby Hartnett was also the catcher when Carl Hubble struck out five future Hall of Famers in a row in the 34 All-Star game um, at the Polo Grounds. Carl Hubble struck out Jimmy Fox, Al Simmons, struck out Joe Cronin, struck out uh, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. So all in consecutive order. But Gabby Hartnett was the catcher, you know. Carl Hubble had a mean screwball. Yeah, but what a terrible person to strike Lou Gehrig out. Well, I know. But, hey, it's memories. It's good memories. It is good memories. One of the best, one of the best memories I think probably in baseball, as far as important, you know, you won't ever see it again. I don't think. Well, how could you say uh, Hartnett was a better catcher than Yogi Berra? I didn't say that. And and and, and you said that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I did oh, not. come on. I said for the National League, Gabby Hartnett was the best before Johnny Bench. I'm afraid that Gabby Hartnett. When, I'm afraid when you bury me, you're gonna put me in the wrong place. <laughs> no, your headstone's up. Uh, yeah, that's that. That is right. So X kind of does mark the spot there. But hey, Gabby Hartnett was also the catcher in the '37 All-Star Game when Dizzy Dean broke his toe. In what game? In the 37 All-Star game at Griffith Stadium. Gabby Hartnett was the catcher. Earl Averill, you know, hit the line Earl drive. Averill. Well, or what is Earl Averill? I don't know. I love to hear you make a mistake. <laughs> I just, Averill, I, Averill. I sit here just concentrating. When is he going to Did you know Earl? Up? He died in August of 83. <laughs> he, he could hit a line drive, believe me. I remember him. I remember watching... Some of the films of him playing. He was a good ball player. Yeah. The only thing is, talking about ballparks, he was better at League Park in Cleveland and not Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. Got a phone call. Already? Yeah. Caller, welcome aboard with welcome, Thomas Booker. Welcome, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Casey. Let me tell you, you always talking about how people do, what people do, and how, you know, when people get become, we know we make people great. And I'm saying our people... Good. You know, I give people credit. But let me tell you what happened to me a few years back. Y'all remember when people began to play two types of sports? One yes, Michael Jordan that played baseball and basketball at the same time. Was that who it was? Uh, he played both that? of them. I couldn't remember. 94. Was it the same time? I couldn't well, remember he, to do he, that. He quit basketball to play baseball, and yeah. then he quit baseball and went back to basketball. Oh, okay. You know, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Let me tell you, I went down there. They played. He played against the, uh, the Nashville team when they first brought. We got our team in Nashville started up. He played against them. The Barons played against the Sounds. Oh, okay. And 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 I went down there when you know when all that trouble in Nashville. You had really much, you know so much fun driving in Nashville that time of evening. Then I then I said I'm gonna go back get my son. And let him come down here because, you know, the kids were just everywhere. You know, everybody was just excited to see him. Yeah, they were. But what really hurt me was sometimes we can just get really silly. 
You all know what? He wouldn't even come out the dugout and really wave or even speak or sign autograph for the kids. I was through with him. I heard yeah. I heard that that had happened. I heard he was pretty you, bad about not signing. Yeah. Man, I, I, I was through with him. I mean, come on now. Look, we can just get too big sometimes. Brother, I'm with you 100%. That's part of why I like the game back in the day and not today, because a lot of them today don't even sign autographs. That's right. It's sad. I mean, you're making that much money, and you can't yes, sign your that's name. That's right. They're afraid they're going to lose Maris. money on their name. I'm t- I, Roger with Maris with my favorite, and I don't care who know it, Roger Maris, 61 in 61, y'all remember that? Yes, sir. It yes, almost sir. destroyed him. It almost <laughs> destroyed him. Roger Maris. Yeah. He was top notch. He should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Y'all, I, I love the show today, but Thank I'm telling you, you, that really hurt me when he wouldn't come out of the dugout or wave or even, you know, you know speak to the children. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Children's yeah, what makes the game important. You, you so-called superstars when you get that little attitude about them. Yes, sir. I got and a problem what, with that. All what, right, I'm listening, gentlemen. Appreciate it, man. Thank yes, you, sir. Casey. What's sad about that, though, is that was 27 years ago, and it's just gotten worse since then. Yeah. Well, why would people put themselves above the individuals that make them what they, they are? They're selfish. That's one great thing about Cal Ripken Jr., and that's one reason why he's so, you know, praised and popular, I think, today. I mean, he was a great shortstop. He wasn't the best, but one of the best. But Ripken would always sign autographs. Yeah. Always sign autographs. He never refused somebody. And I think that says a lot about someone. I mean, today with baseball, which kind of made me mad, is they put the netting up. Yeah. And, yeah, it protects idiots who want to sit there on their phone and, you know, play on their phone and not watch the game. But at the same time, it's also isolated, I think, the fans from, you know, the players because you can't pass a ball back and forth because you got a net blocking you. Yeah. So. You, you know, the, the, the biggest fans are usually the dads and the sons. When they take, uh, just like Casey said, when you, when you take your son to a ball game, that's really, really special. And Babe Ruth stands up, uh, it stands in my mind as one of those, he knew it was a kid's game. He loved the kids You're when right. they would come to the game. He'd sign for everyone. Yeah. Babe Ruth. Yeah, and, and what an example that should be for all the players in this day. But um, television has taken a lot of the person, personal type things from baseball because they can watch it on television sure. and in in the the security of their homes and, and things media. like that. And, but but the media and uh, and the baseball games on television has just about ruined sports all over the place. It has because you don't have that that closeness anymore. It's convenient to follow at home, so you kind of know what's going on. I mean. Yeah, but I, I agree with what you're saying. It it has. I mean, I don't know. It's just <laughs> I hate change. <laughs> you, uh, I'm sure you and your dad. Yes, yeah, sir. Got to go. One of my fondest memories. My daddy loved the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh my gosh, Stan Musial could not do anything wrong. <laughs> and uh, I had the opportunity years ago of taking my dad and my mom and and. And Jackie, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, we—I uh, took them to 
a St. Louis uh, baseball game uh, in St. Louis, and we got there uh, before the 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 doors opened, but. I had a friend that uh, got us in early so Dad could walk around, look at the stadium, and he was in awe. I mean, he was he he couldn't take his eyes off of it. And I know I didn't ask him, but I know he he was uh, thinking back when Musial and 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 the Cardinals had those great teams, oh, the, yeah. the Deans, Dizzy and Daffy, the thirties and forties. Yeah, and. Uh, what that, year that, was your daddy born? Daddy was born in 1917. That's a good time to be born. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's a good time. It wasn't a good time probably then, but... Well, they had to go through the 30s, of course, and, and then World, World War, War II. Two. And uh, right at the right at the very edge of World War One. so... Yeah. Um, it, was, uh, it was a great time and great memories, and they, they uh, overcame a lot of things. But um, I, I still I, I still say the glory years for this area right here was the uh, the 50s and most definitely uh, late 40s and in the 50s because things started changing back and and um, the country was going uh, at a fast pace but it it, it was a lot of uh, everybody was coming together you might say they were those specific time. I like the war years and I think the reason I like the war years of the 1940s is because during the war certain players kind of rose up that you never heard of. Oh yeah. Just because the the competition wasn't as great. But uh and a lot of guys that played major league baseball signed up to 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 go over into Europe and in into the south uh uh, as far as you know, when the Japanese got in, it was amazing how they loved their country so much, and they were at the top of their careers. Most they definitely, were, everything was going good for for them, but uh, they they said no, we're going to go protect our country and, and protect the world, and that's what they did. In this day and age, see, you wouldn't have that. No. I don't think you would. Call me a liar if you want, but but. Also, the late 40s when, you know, the, uh, the, the integration started with mm -hmm. the black ball players is probably my favorite time, just getting to see, you know, them compete. And, I mean, really, they changed the game, I think, for the best as well, far Jackie as... Jackie Robinson, no, no yeah, doubt, did. Well, him and yeah. Roy Campanella. Yeah. But then when you look at Willie Mays coming up, I mean, that's just, it's really exciting. And it's just a shame that people like Monte Irvin and, you know, some of those didn't get to shine as, as long as they could have. Yeah. Um, because of everything, which was a shame. But, uh, you know, Hank Aaron coming into the scene... 1954 was a big year in baseball for uh, integration. People don't come back to think about it, but Elston Howard came in, Ernie Banks came in. You had a lot of great competition that kind of set the scene for the 1960s um, with a lot of those players. Which 1954 was not really that great a year for baseball because the Cleveland Indians and, and the Giants <laughs> were playing. <laughs> So, but hey, Willie got his ring. Yeah, he did get his ring. He Bless got his, his ring. Heart. He deserved one. Yeah, he, he, he deserved a couple, but it never happened. But but don't you, it, wasn't it great that you had uh, 
the really great superstars during that period, too. You did. The, the saddest thing, I think, from the 1950s is you had a lot of teams that had called, you know, Major League Baseball cities home for 50-plus years, like the Boston Braves. You had the Washington Senators, the Philadelphia Athletics. You saw them relocate. And then, of course, the Dodgers and the Giants left at the end of the decade yeah. to greener pastures. But, you know. But the big just, cities had most of the baseball parks. Yeah. And, you, and, and you, of course, New York had three. Had three. Yeah. So spreading it out across the country really wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't with the development of aviation and everything, especially to be able to commute. But I just like the thought of, you know, commuting by train, just kind of a neat, you know, old-timey American. In a lot of those old cities, it's just neat to think about Boston having two teams. And a lot of people don't realize that um, Braves Field and Fenway Park were like six blocks away from each other. I mean, that's close. Just like the Polo Grounds was across from the Harlem River from Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. And then in Philadelphia, you had uh, the Baker Bowl was like six blocks east of Shy Park mm -hmm. where the Phillies and Athletics both played. So, I mean, to think that you've had these cities, you know, for 50 years with competition that close is, I think, pretty special. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's something you won't ever see again. That's what's so special about it, I guess. I'm afraid. For I'm, what it was. I'm afraid the reaction is going to be quite different than when I first started going to watch baseball. And then, of course, it was uh, different than when you started going to watch baseball. Yeah. It was, uh, it was just something that um, most of the time the games I listened to instead of watching, uh, just like when the Yankees were playing. Sure. Oh, gosh. I, I would have that radio right next to my ear, and, and you could hear uh, when they would hit the ball. Uh, and certain players, just like Mickey Mantle, when he had hit the ball, it's, it's just like thunder went off. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But But the imagination that you had of what was really happening during that, was even better. I mean, I, I love to watch them, and I love the, the, the ballpark. I love the smell of the ballpark and everything that was going on, and, and that's where most of my memories are as far as baseball. But just the, what I was creating in my mind as what was going on was, was even larger than I, watching it in person. Well, the key word you said was imagination, and I agree yeah. 100%. I mean... Even me growing up and just learning about the game and stuff, I mean, yeah, I had imagination about ballparks and players and this and that. And then, you know, you start to learn it and see it and what it is versus the imagination. But it's just it's fun to be able to explore like that. And uh, that's what I still do with the history of the game because a lot of those ballparks I was never able to attend, you know, the old ones. Yeah. And uh, it's just neat to picture what it would look like all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with thomas booker the truman show on news radio wgns fm 100.5 fm 101.9 am 1450 online and on your phone at wgnsradio.com 
If you're looking around your home and it's looking like it's time to update, we can do anything as far as painting, new flooring, anything that you're looking for. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. They already did a great job on our bathroom, so when we decided to redo the playroom, Farrah Construction was the only one we called. This is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. 615-893-6120. That's Fair Construction Company. Are you looking for a different kind of bank? Open your eyes to a credit union. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help hardworking Americans achieve their financial goals faster. And because we're owned by our members, you get a piece of the pie. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to open your first account and see how we help when others won't. Insured by NCUA. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hey, honey, got the 70-inch flat screen mounted. Come take a look. Uh, why are the instructions still wrapped in plastic? Instructions are just another man's suggestions. You sure about that? Need another chance? Get one with Powerball with Double Play. Add Double Play for just a dollar and give your numbers a second chance to win up to $10 million with drawings every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Powerball with Double Play and the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. We recently talked to a world-renowned gemologist. Hmm, the optic character of this ruby is brilliant. And the refractive index on this sapphire is simply superb. And judging by the writing on the top of this diamond, I'd say that it could be worth up to $500,000. I'll give it a scratch just to make sure. Woo! We've got ourselves a real gem here. Take it from the experts. The new September Instant Games are truly brilliant. See for yourself. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. Care is serving our patients, standing with them in times of need, and showing compassion when they're at their most vulnerable. Care is listening and delivering personalized plans from a team of specialists, providing leading-edge treatments at every step. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. It's our calling. Make your next appointment at GetSTHealthcare.com. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The annual tennis championships in Murfreesboro will take place at the Adams Tennis Complex in the Old Fort Park later this month. Alinda Tate with Parks and Recreation Department told News Radio WGNS. This is a big year for the city-closed tennis championships and 75 years. Of course, we haven't had Adams Tennis Complex that long, but was held at Old Fort Park. It's a big deal this year. They're really doing it upright. This year marks the 75th anniversary for the city championships, which take place Saturday, September 25th through Tuesday, September 28th. A new company setting up operations in Wilson County that will lead to hundreds of new jobs. Thermo Fisher is a life sciences company based in Massachusetts that works in partnership with biopharma companies producing therapeutics and vaccines. 
The governor says the company has committed more than $100 million to build a new assembly facility in Lebanon. The project will create 400 jobs in the near term and ultimately 1,400 jobs. A man is in custody at the Metro Jail on a $150,000 bond. Authorities say Jan Demeter is charged with identity theft for allegedly stealing bank information from dozens of people and withdrawing cash from ATMs in Brentwood and Nashville. Authorities traced security camera video of Demeter to a car rental agency at Nashville Airport and waited for Demeter to return the car. When he did, he was arrested. The police found over 100 cloned debit and credit cards, as well as nearly $45,000 in cash. News on demand 24-7 at our website, WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Attorney Joe Cordell. New school, new job, new home. Change is hard and can leave you feeling isolated. And divorce delivers one of life's hardest blows. The relationships you counted on are suddenly gone. But you don't have to walk through this alone. For more than 30 years, Cordell & Cordell has guided men through the challenges of divorce. You're not alone. Call Cordell & Cordell. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's Nashville area attorneys. 810 Crescent Center Drive, Suite 160, Franklin, Tennessee, 37067. Oh, according to research, 82% of people remember radio ads. So, 82% of you listening will remember that this is an ad for ZipRecruiter. 82% of you will note that if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter finds qualified people for your job. In fact, 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And 82% of you will remember that you can try ZipRecruiter for free. But you have to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Yes, free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few spotty showers and storms possible late this afternoon. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops high in the mid-80s. West winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 68. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Sad, isn't it? And welcome back with Thomas Booker. Uh, I, uh, the good thing about, well, there's a lot of good things with you on the air, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Off the air, you, you, you we remain you, silent. You, you can't. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you can't. You don't stop talking. And, no. and we have great conversations. I just. I'm like your my mama. generation, and uh, I'm I'm your dad's generation, and then you're uh, uh, one or two generations behind us. I told you I'm 115. Ask my wife. I'm old school. I should have been born in a different time. Yeah. I Seriously. agree. I agree. In a good and way. Me, not me a bad also. Way. I would. I've loved to have played uh, baseball back in the early days, uh, and I love to 
if I could have, uh, I'd love for my dad to have taken me to Yankee Stadium in yeah. those old days, or Fenway Park, or, or, or all of them. It, my dad, I, I have heard people that grew up in that area, and they all can remember their dads taking them, and the first time they walk into the stadium, it was like going into heaven. Oh, it was yeah. just unbelievable. I have a sim similar experience. My mom and dad took me up to Tiger Stadium, uh, and I just remember walking in and seeing it for the first time, and I mean, it was awesome. It was beautiful. Open 1912, so, you know, Ty Cobb called it home. Harry Heilman, Hank Greenberg, all those, you know, great ball players. Al Kaline, and uh, just a good memory. You mean you got into Detroit without being assaulted or anything? I think we saw a man defecating on the sidewalk as we went in the ballpark. Ooh. Yeah, it's bad. So, that's Detroit for you, though. You know, but it was fun. Did that, and like I told you, saw Mark McGuire during his home run chase. My dad took me down, and we saw him hit some fly balls to center field, but like you said, he wasn't taking steroids that day, so he was stuck at 58 home runs, I think, toward the end of you know the season. You know, I hear these <laughs> stupid sports reports. I, I have a hard time uh, even listening to them anymore. They're, just, they're, they're not saying anything that relates... To the, to, to the sport that I'm, I've been used to all these years. They don't know anything about it. No, they, it, it, it's unreal. And they were talking about should uh, McGuire and some of the other uh, people that were obviously on um, uh, the medicines that gave you more strength and, and, and uh, never, never really got tired when you... If if you were shooting up before a ball game, you were going out there just fired up and and could attack the world. Right. Why would anybody want to vote somebody like that in? Because they were um, utilizing something extra other than their own abilities. Affecting their stats. Yes, and it doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, uh, that's that's really the number one thing that hurt my uh, watching what I always call the best sport in the world, pro sport, sure. is baseball. And once they cleared a lot of that up and a lot of them out, it, it made a big difference. But but there's always been things like the lively baseball and, and, and the bats that they've used and all sure. the things that would give them an edge. I guess that's always been a part of baseball. I think it has. You're talking about that era of steroids. Two players stand out in my mind that, that I was a fan of, like number one and number two were, were Frank Thomas and King Griffey Jr. Mm -hmm. Two players that, you know, played the game the right way, unstoppable. I mean, Frank Thomas was hitting home runs, batting for average. King Griffey Jr. was hitting home runs in the upper deck, and it was, you know, natural ability for him. Yeah. And, you know, it was a tainted era for sure. I mean, I remember Barry Bonds. I mean, he was good, don't get me wrong, but there in the mid-'90s he kind of disappeared. Then all of a sudden, toward the end of the 90s, you know, he came back and was this, you know. All that weight he had gained and the know. muscles and everything, you knew that it, it had changed for him. That's when it started really going to hell. Yeah, I think you said the right word for it. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, the 80s were good, and right there in the early to mid-90s, it just, about the time they went on strike in 94, that really just, it changed a lot of it. 
Which game do you remember your dad taking you to uh, that really caught your attention? Uh, I mean, I remember going and seeing the Mets a couple times and the Arizona Diamondbacks back when they first came into existence. And Tiger Stadium caught my attention. I mean, I don't know. Tiger Stadium, I think as far as the history and nostalgia, I think Tiger Stadium was a good turning point. And, you know, not that my dad doesn't love the game. I mean, he has his hobbies, but the fact that he kind of went out of the way and took me to Detroit and we did other things besides the ball game, but it was just, a, you know, for me to kind of see the history of the game in a historical ballpark where, like I told you, a lot of things had taken place at Tiger Stadium, mm -hmm. it, was, it was good for me. So I, I think that was really a turning point. My mom loves going back up there. I mean, to the ball games, not to Detroit, but, you know. That's what I was going to say. Do they hire a, <laughs> a group to protect them going in and out? They should. It's not a good place. It's kind of sad that it's like that, but there's a lot of cities, as you and I were talking about. Philadelphia is a, you know, yeah, it's they've terrible. got issues. St. Louis has some serious issues. and. Well, East St. Louis more than mm -hmm. the, the downtown St. Louis. I'll tell St. you Louis. this, Grand Avenue, where Sportsman's Park was, it's Sullivan Place. It's it's rough. It's bad. I mean, I took Kevin there uh, a couple of years ago because he just wanted to see where the ballpark was. And, I mean, thank God he had a gun with him because, I mean, it's just it's not a place you'd want to go and take people. But Yeah, why do they build ballparks in areas that they know are, are going to give the uh, – the fans a hard time well, they started, getting there. Well, at Sportsman's Park, they started playing baseball there around 1882, and they built Sportsman's yeah. Park in 1909. And back then, it was a nice community. I mean, it was a working community. Uh, a lot of the ball players lived local, you know. And uh, I think just over time, unfortunately, for whatever reason, some of those areas, they just, you know, with time, they change. And Detroit... Tiger Stadium was the same way, like I was telling you, up on Lee Avenue in Philadelphia mm -hmm. where Shy Park, Baker Bowl, probably the worst area where a former ballpark was. But you look at Fenway Park, and Fenway Park and where Braves Field used to be, which is now part of Boston College, it's a nice area. It never changed and went to hell like some of those places. Yeah. But uh, you look at the polo grounds, it's kind of rough there. Yankee Stadium's not too bad, even though it's across the river. Uh, Ebbets Field, it's not too bad there. I mean, I felt pretty safe walking around the former side of Ebbets Field, so it never really, you know, went down, down. But may have for a while, but it came back. Uh, Cleveland, League Park, really rough area. It's just a working neighborhood. They had riots there back in the 1960s. And, you know, a lot of these cities, when they had riots, I mean, sit here and say what you want and hate me for it, but they never came back and rebuilt those areas. Yeah. They were just kind of like left to be destroyed. And it's kind of sad because when you drive through there, especially St. Louis, I love the history of St. Louis Cardinals, probably one of the best teams in baseball as far as history goes. You look through it, all this old architecture, it, what's left of it, mm -hmm. and I mean, it could just, it could really be the place to be if it was, you know, safe and kept up and not destroyed but you know when you're out there driving around looking at it and you look to your left or right and you see all these you know empty lots mm -hmm. i mean you just know it's not a good area and it's sad but it just unfortunately it is what it is well the the guy they call the candy man uh he was a um, um 
worker. Uh, actually, he, he represented uh, uh, the steel company in uh, St. Louis. And uh, he, he was with the upper echelon, and he moved here to Murfreesboro. And I got to, uh, I was able to go and experience how the upper groups were treated. <laughs> and, and w well, I, I, I'd taken uh, a group of people. Kevin was one of them. And uh, we, w we would, they would have a, a couple of wooden horses out there in front of the main door to go in. And they, they held that those for us when we would get there. They'd move them out. And, and uh, <laughs> I had a couple of extra tickets. And uh, um, one of my preachers, he couldn't go. So I had two extra tickets. And, and a lieutenant moved those little wooden horses out for us. And I went over there, and I started to give him a, a, a big tip. And I said, I wonder if he would like to have these tickets. Well, here you got a lieutenant in St. Louis uh, Police Department. And I said, would you like to have these tickets? And he said, he almost started crying. He says, I'm calling my son right now. Really? I want to sit there and watch it with my son. And he called him, and, he, and those were great tickets. I mean, right, right behind uh, first base. And uh, we all, they also took us up into the area where you dine. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it shows you how they, they still had that um, special love and care for people who would come in, the fans who wanted to watch the game. Sure. And, uh, and they asked us, you can stay up here in the air condition and watch the game from here. And you got a great uh, view of everything. And, and we all said, no, we want to go down behind first base. <laughs> it was about 95 degrees. And we were just sweating the whole time. But it didn't matter. We just absolutely enjoyed the game. And, of course, I've told you about Kevin. Uh, he, <laughs> he couldn't cuss that day, and he couldn't order beer that he day. He just left you for about three innings. Yeah. Came back to you. Well, we were all – you know, he slept all the way to St. Louis because – He's liable to say something he shouldn't say, so he pr <laughs> pretended. To, I know he pretended to sleep all that way. Bless his heart. Yeah, but I just love Kevin. I tell you, it's like a whole different world, some of those ballparks. I mean, I've, you know, gone into some of those areas where it is really nice, and I know that a lot of the ball teams, they uh, they have to have those areas more or less, I think, for, you know, corporations to pay to, you know, make money and things like that, but when 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 you're going to a game and you're paying a whole lot of money for a ticket to begin with and you don't sit in one of those areas you're almost better off to pay another hundred dollars to have the all-exclusive because by the time you stand in line to go to the restroom or you stand in line to eat you have spent that or you know wasted your time you know standing in line so you don't remember but I do What's that? It, it was most most of the fans are what you call working middle class fans that well, go to baseball games. I agree. And I remember when even they would dress up to go to a baseball game. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter how hot it was or whatever. Uh, a lot of, of the uh, older people wore suits. And, and uh, it, it was a special event for them. They'd wear suit and ties. And uh, especially in the old days, and, and if you look at all these films of 
of the games back in the uh, 30s and the 20s. I was going to They say, were wearing suits. It probably changed around World War II. Yeah. You didn't see fans start wearing jerseys, though, until the 80s. Sandnet was one of the first companies to reproduce jerseys. Mm -hmm. And then Mitchell and Ness, which is what I'm wearing here, started reproducing jerseys in the 80s. And you got that hat on. You, I felt that hat. Oh my gosh! My buddy in you, Australia made that. You talking about smooth? Yeah. Now, why would Australia people be making those type of outfits for <laughs> people in this country? I'm just blessed to know somebody in Australia who uh, loves to make hats, and he has machines from the 1920s and 30s, and he's able to. Where did you meet him? Uh, not in Australia because I've never been there, but. I think just on a on a website, like on Instagram, one mm -hmm. of those, you know, community things where it shows, you know, different retailers and stuff. Is he listening today? He's probably in bed. He's yeah, they're, they're time. Yeah, they're, or they're nine time. hours. He might be up, but no, I don't think he's listening, but we talked several times, and he's a super nice fellow, though. I like him. I don't know if he's really a baseball fan. He just makes custom hats. Yeah. And the ones from the 1920s and 30s are pretty easy to make, but 1950s and 60s start getting a little difficult, so he's not uh, advanced to that level yet. But I've got several from the 1920s and 30s hats, and it's nice to have them because nobody else is making hats like these. Yeah. So, you know, it goes good with my 1938 Gabby Hartnett jersey. 1938 was a good year for Gabby because he hit a game-winning home run to clinched the National League for the Cubs against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, Lost was, to the Yankees, but... Was Gabby his real name? Uh, no, that was his nickname. He loved to... Well, I thought maybe he might have been named after Gabby Aves. He had several different nicknames, but uh, no, I think he uh, just liked to talk a whole lot. If I was playing back in the 1920s, they might nickname me Gabby. Yeah, they would. There was also Gabby Street, who was the manager for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1930s. Won the World Series in 31 for the Cardinals. But his nickname was Gabby also. What year and what team was your favorite of all team, of all the games? Oh, Lord. And teams. Favorite team? Mm -hmm. 1948 Cleveland Indians. Good gosh, why? Because you had a lot of different things coming together that year. Like what? Well, uh, I like Bill Vec. He was there as the owner. Hank Greenberg was the general manager. You had Satchel Page, which, you know, yeah. uh, fresh from the Negro. Well, How was, old was he when he uh, first came up? Because he know. had to have been well up in his 40s. I was going to say he was probably like late 40s if I had to guess. I'm not 100% sure. I think he always said he was 50. But 46, I, 47 maybe. Yeah. But you had... Larry Doby on that team. Yeah. Eddie Robinson, who's still living, you had him. Ken Keltner, third base, you had him. He was famous for stopping Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak in 1941 with a couple big defenses. I would have cheered that one. Well, that's what I'm saying, see? Yeah, Joe, but look, look, look how mad <laughs> Pete Rose was when they stopped him. That's true. From, from breaking it. He, well, was, he was right up there close. I think he had a 44-game hit streak, Pete yeah. Rose. But you had uh, Bob Feller on that team. You had a guy named Gene Bearden who was like a one-year wonder, and he yeah. went 20 went twenty and six, and uh, the Indians had to play the Red Sox at Fenway Park 
and whoever won the game went to the you know won the pennant mm -hmm. and uh Gene Bearden pitched that game and, and and won for the Indians but then you had a second baseman named Johnny Berardino who was also a movie actor and actually has a star on Hollywood Walk of Fame I think he was in General Hospital back in the 1970s I don't remember him at all. Yeah, but he was the only person to ever uh, win a World Series and have his uh, have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So you had just a bunch of different people coming together to form that team, and I just, I don't know. The fact that was their last World Series, uh, I don't know. I just like the 48 Cleveland Indians. You know how they timed uh, Bob Feller's fastball? Mm, was it with a car? Motorcycle. Motorcycle. I knew it was something, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. The heater from Van Meter. Yeah. Uh, the motors, is, I think it got up to 101 or 102. Of course, you know, how accurate could that be? I don't know. Rapid Robert. Yeah. He was a good pitcher. Yes, he was. He was actually the first ball player to start charging for his autograph. Now, that's not good. In maybe like the 1970s. No, not really. But it's gotten to where if you want a Bob Feller autograph, you can go on eBay and get one for $5. I mean, because he signed so many. Well, that would be an opportunity for somebody 50 years from now to make some good money if they... Possibly. Yeah. You'd be surprised on some of the autographs. I mean, stuff that I've collected, I mean, they're rare, but you give it five or ten years and you just don't see many of them. And that autograph, I mean, it goes up in price. And I think also the the history of the game, I think it is kind of expanding, and I think there are more people that are interested in collecting. So, you know, that makes it fun too. But the 1948 Cleveland Indians, I, I like them. The fact they played the uh, Boston Braves in the World Series was kind of neat just because the Braves four years later would move to Milwaukee. But uh, I just like the different walks of life, I guess, more or less. But I've got actually that 48 Cleveland Indians. I've got the entire team's autograph, everyone that played on the Indians that year. Yeah. So Lou Boudreau was uh, MVP that year, but was the shortstop for the team. Yeah, he was all right. Joe Gordon came over from the New York Yankees. The uh, Indians traded away a pitcher by the name Allie Reynolds. I, think I remember you've heard of. New York Yankees. So he actually... Uh, had big things coming for the Indians, but the Indians needed more offense. So they, they traded Allie Reynolds to the Yankees and mm -hmm. brought in Joe Gordon. And Joe Gordon led the team that year, I think, with uh, home runs. Maybe he hit 29, had over 100 RBI. So Joe Gordon was a big addition to that team to make them win the World Series. Dale Mitchell was an outfielder for the Cleveland, Indi or Cleveland Indians in 48. And Dale Mitchell's claim to fame was 1956. He was the last uh, batter for the Brooklyn Dodgers when Don Larson's won his perfect game. Yep. So, I still remember that one just like yesterday. You had that? Yeah. Yogi Berra comes running out and jumps in his arms. <laughs> Unbelievable. Jim Hagan was a catcher for the Indians. He was, I think he won maybe eight eight-time All-Star, I'm not for sure, but he was a really good defensive catcher for the Indians. You don't ever hear about him anymore, but he was there through the 1950s. And then uh, one other player that came to mind was a guy named Don Black. He was injured in a car crash, lay or die in the 1950s, but he yeah. was a pretty good pitcher. He got injured, I think, in 1948, and they kind of played that year for Don Black. They won the World Series, and they collected a charity and gave it to Don Black's family. 
Now, what did you think of the Astrodome when when it first opened up? Well, I wasn't there in sixty or in '65, but you know the Astrodome for 1960s, eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. I've heard horror stories of Colt Stadium when the the Houston Colts were playing, you know, outside with the yeah. mosquitoes and things like that. So, I mean, I guess for the time period it was good. Of course, you know, they tried growing grass in the Astrodome and it didn't work yeah. out too well, so they had to paint the roof and along came AstroTurf. But uh that's an amazing route. I went there one time for a game and it was Yeah, I saw it. It was okay for the time period. Yeah. But, you know, who was the only player to hit the roof? Mickey Mantle. Yep. <laughs> That's an easy one. My wife told you that one time. My no. wife knew that. Did she? She does. Wow, good for her. She did know that. She was proud to know that. Well, that was an amazing event. He hit the first home run in the Astrodome. He sure did. In 1965 in an exhibition game. He was... Uh, the man had more power than... than Anybody. I mean, he was unbelievable. You need to go to his grave in Dallas. I went with my friend Randy when I was out there last month to mm -hmm. make uh, the Texas Rangers ballpark my 51st ballpark. Yeah. It's a really nice ballpark. It's big. 72 degrees inside. Oh, wow. Yeah. Artificial grass. Roofs always closed in the summertime, so yeah. you're guaranteed baseball. And I sat many a times at the old ballpark in Arlington with my aunt, and beautiful ballpark they should have left it there was nothing wrong with it but you know on some of those days when it's 97 degrees and you're sitting there in the sun and it's just hitting you i mean the new ballpark makes up for that but it's almost i don't know it's almost too big and too fancy for what it is yeah well uh, when people change from one city to the other just like when the dodgers change mm -hmm. uh, th there's a, a sweet lady here at adam's place she she watched many games at Ebbets Field when she was a little girl, and and she could even walk to the to the ballpark over there, and she said it, it was just like somebody dying when when uh, they decided to move to L.A. Doesn't it make you wonder though how somebody can go in there and tear down some of these green cathedrals like that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. 1960, they tore down Ebbets Field and tore down the Polo Grounds in 60, uh, 64, 65. But, y you know, in Europe, they preserve these places. Yeah. I mean, Comiskey Park in Chicago, my favorite ballpark that probably ever existed, tore it down. All the history's gone with it and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's just sad. You, you know, I don't know why they don't preserve them. Yeah, they it just like Field of Dreams. Yeah. The, those ballparks ought to be sitting there, and the old players that have gone on to to heaven, they get to come back and play again. They do. Uh, I mean, it's... Baseball was the sport. It really was. And when you when you think about it, how much those players were blessed to be able to play the game uh, for people who also love the sport they can't they don't have the uh, physical ability to do it but they represent the people that are sitting in their seats the fans are uh though every time you hit a home run it's almost like they hit a home run most definitely yeah it's very well, special and when you have working class ball players playing for working class men you can kind of all relate on the same page yeah you're on the same level and now that you got these athletes making $30 million a year and 
you know, so-and-so goes 0 for 5 with four strikeouts and, oh, well, he had a bad day. Well, how do you have a bad day when you're making $30 million a year? Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's why the game, I think, has gotten stupid. And I just, you know, I, I, I have fantasy baseball, fantasy baseball team. Mm -hmm. I watch my player stats there. But as far as actually sitting down and watching the game, if I do, I'm thinking about the history of it. Same if I go to a game like with the Killer Brews, I'm sitting there and I'm talking baseball history, Harmon's history, their history going to games. That's all I care about. I don't care about, you know, Miguel Sano, you know, going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts and then missing two plays at first base, getting paid $15 million or whatever. It just doesn't excite me. It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't, but a lot of people like it. And that's that's for them, but like I said, I'm just going to try and keep baseball history alive and represent the past. And <laughs> Well, I can tell you, I had uh, cable television, AT&T, mm -hmm. and uh, that would be the one sport that I wanted to watch other than, uh, say, UT football. I, I still like college football it's going to be interesting though with college football when you start having these athletes getting paid these and that's bucks. bothering me already yeah what in the world is happening to this world where money is everything it, it just really doesn't make any sense i don't understand it and I, I i think that's the thing about baseball though also is you know back in the day the owners had the control had the power and then with free agency and everything, you know, twisting in the 19, late 60s, early 70s, and, mm -hmm. you know, these athletes starting to get paid more and more. It just, it, 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 it turned the game for me, but at the same time, I mean, y you look at games on TV and the stadiums, you know, they're more full now than they were in the 1960s. I mean, there were times in the 1960s, you know, Yankee Stadium, you wouldn't know this or think of this, but like in 68, 69, They'd have 3,000 people at the game, and that's it. So, I mean. Their big stars were gone. They were gone. But, I mean, you wouldn't ever think about watching a game now. Even if the Yankees are in last place, you wouldn't see just 3,000 people sitting there. You still see more folks coming to the game. I mean, the Orioles are sorry as all get out. And, you know, they're still drawing 15,000 fans a game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's whatever they're doing. I mean, it's working for some people, but. I just think it's important to keep the history alive. I do too, and 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 if you notice, the fans are different. They are. I, I um, if you watch, let's say something like golf. Right. Uh, golf used to be a, a sport where it was genteel and and everybody was quiet and they didn't call attention to themselves. Now, yeah. You'll see them say tee off, and it's a 500-yard. As soon as the ball hits, they go, in the hole, in the hole. Everything, they want everybody to see them and, instead of seeing the athletes out there. And you're, you're, you're starting to see that in baseball. I tell you what, it's there's the one, that one sport. No, they, they're calling attention to themselves. Well, yeah. Uh, look at Philadelphia. Those are the worst fans in the whole world. I mean, uh, when you go in there, you better you better have some type of safety around you because it, it's terrible. Wear an Eagles jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, and, and uh, I, I wish the 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 uh, sporting events were like they used to be. Yeah. And I even used to love uh, pro football. I loved. 
pro basketball at a time. But I have no uh, intentions to ever see any of those games again. I just don't like them because of their attitude. Yeah. And 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 basically they're taking advantage of us because we're paying for them to be out there with the type of uh, attitude that they they have gotten right now. So where do you think it's going to go from here? It can't go down much because it's already getting that right down at the bottom. But as how far much as more will it go up? You think? Uh, you talking about the monies? Yeah. Well, as long as, as the big boys have got the money to pay them, I guess it will continue to go up. But like the cost of living, um, they go well beyond the, the cost of living phase as it continues to climb. So, uh, who knows? As long as we have people that love the money more than they, they love the country and, and the, and the fans, and those type things like that, I have no desire to to uh, ever attend any of those games. Do you think a third world war would bring people back down to a more median level? I'm not sure. I don't want that to happen, but I'm just asking. I know I'm not sure. Would it ever happen like it did in World War Two? I don't think so. Not to that degree. No, I don't think so. The country came together in World War II. They came together and they worked hard for a short time. Yeah, everybody um, put all of their efforts into making sure that we won that war, both stateside and and in Europe and sure. in Asia and places like that. And it was a war that needed to be won. It had to be won. Yeah. I, I mean, look how many people that. Are countries that are as free as the United States? You're right. They're not. No. But it's starting to change. When they start telling you what to do and how to do it and all those and and people fighting against each other over um, uh, how how to either be have a, a a shot or not have a shot or wear a mask and not wear a mask. Sure. It's crazy. You, you the. Uh, um, since the War of 1812, the two most important wars fought were the Civil War and World War II. There wasn't a Civil War. <laughs> the war between the states. No. What? The War of Northern Aggression. Northern Aggression. Yeah, so you forget that. <laughs> <laughs> you know but, what but I mean. But see, we can... We can you might. We can kid around and enjoy each other, no matter what your view is. Right. But... Uh, might, the times are changing. You might love Dixie, but his truth was marching on. <laughs> what? Were you were you born north of the Mason Dixon line? Well, southern roots, but yes, I was. <laughs> See there. No, I'm I love saying. I love you, mom and daddy. Hey, listen, if 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 the, if the South had won the Civil War, War of Northern Aggression. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. You'd have. What thirteen different countries in the South? That's not good, man. You do you realize how each state is different? I do. No state is the same. No. It's like we're in Europe. We're living in different countries, uh, whether it be Tennessee, Florida, sure. New York. Uh, what is that? But that state that's farther United, west. United is the key, though. That's what makes us strong. But what brings us together is the question. Well, that's true, too. Because they're so different. Uh, if you go to California, it's nothing like Tennessee. True. You go to New York, it's nothing like. It, it, uh, even even the, the, the southern states, the, 
they're not they're not the same no everybody when you see the movement going on right now right coming from california to new york where are they going middle tennessee mm -hmm. it's unbelievable we're a magnet because people want to be a part of that and of course it's cheaper to live here and you you get more for your dollar sure and uh but it, it's um as long as they all think like us i'm happy with it yeah Right. Yeah. Or or enjoying being here and loving what we have to offer. I love Tennessee. And, yes. There's nowhere else I'd really want to live. No. Well, they had something. What was it? The Wall Street Journal just recently, that Murfreesboro is a place to come to. Can you imagine? The good thing about Murfreesboro is you don't have to go to Nashville for it anymore. Yeah. You can come to Murfreesboro. Yeah. And I like that because Nashville's just. Like we were talking about how it's exploded. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I never would have thought that even 25 years ago. I mean, I remember sitting there on 2nd Avenue and watching them build what was then called Adelphia Coliseum where Steiner Lift was. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, we're getting a football team. And, you know, it's changing a little bit. Of course, the Predators had just come Opryland closed. I was sad about that. But, you know, just to look back now and think about how much that city has changed and grown, I mean, it's... It's insane. It's scary. Makes you wonder how it's going to look in 20 years from now. Well, as long as the thing about Nashville is it it's really the only liberal uh, city in the mid-state area. Sure. And as and as you see, the larger a city grows, the more liberal it becomes. Yeah. Because they have more um, giveaway type situations than. The people who live in the smaller areas like us, but uh, uh, that's what you have to worry about because as uh, uh, the population changes, so does the city or the county. No, you're right about so that. So that that makes a big difference. Let it stay in Davidson. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm all for it. Doesn't bother me. No. Maybe a baseball team one day. Got to wrap up the show. Uh, say hi to your mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad. Hi, Christy. You had to throw that one in there, did you, big boy? Always do. Uh, Thomas, I always <laughs> enjoy being with you. It's, it's a lot a of fun. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450 and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.